Sports of Supergirl Radio. This is Jordan Valdez again calling in. Just wanted to say that I loved your character spotlight on Brainiac 5. I cannot wait to see what Jesse Rath does with the character uh, going into Season 4, uh, where it'll be a series regular. I'm very excited for that. Uh, I absolutely adore the episode Homecoming of Smallville. Such an amazing episode. Um, for the 200th episode, just how they pay homage to the history of the series. It's amazing. James Marsters as Brainiac initially uh, is my favorite non-Luther villain on Smallville. And then him as Brainiac 5, I thought was just incredible as well. Um, I thought what Smallville did was so cool where they made Brainiac 5 just a reformed version of Brainiac. I thought that was a really interesting take, and I loved it. Um, I wanted to mention that Brainiac uh, 5 also is in the Smallville Season 11 comics, um, and particularly, most notably, in the Argo arc where um, Clark and Booster Gold uh, go to the 31st century. Um, and anyway, there's some great Brainiac 5 stuff in the Season 11 comics uh, in terms of, well, a continuation of James Morrister's version of the character. Uh, so I wanted to mention that as well because uh, it is amazing. Um, I will talk to you all later. Klana forever. Bye-bye. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson, and for this episode of the podcast, we are joined by Nathan of DC Cinematic Minute to shine a character spotlight on Manchester Black. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, Nate. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's an honor. It's a pleasure. It's uh, going to be a great experience, and I'm vamping. And uh, take it away, <laughs> Rebecca. Well, I am so glad to have you on Supergirl Radio because I've been on DC Cinematic Minute a few times mm-hmm. and I've always enjoyed uh, my time over there on y'all's podcast talking about the DC movies. So I'm glad to have you on Supergirl Radio. Um, but before we get into the Manchester Black Spotlight, because we're going to get into that, but first, would you tell our listeners about your personal history with the character of Supergirl? How did you come to know Supergirl? The reason for me coming to know Supergirl... Um I don't, maybe it was for a lot of people as well, but it was just the spotlight of her in Infinite Crisis. I know probably everybody says that, but it really, you know, got the attention on her because of the sacrifice and just the bold move and and everything. Um, It really wasn't until, I guess, some of the animated series where I actually started to pay attention to her more. Um, I'm not current on comics with her. Um, 
<laughs> she was really cool with that red ring in New 52. I'll say that much. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, uh, the first uh, incarnations of uh, the animated series was really when I actually started to pay attention to who Supergirl was and uh, all those animated features and movies and everything. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it's it's neat to see that you came in through the comics, but also found her in other uh, adapted media. So that's awesome. Um well, and since we're talking about Manchester Black for this character spotlight, how did you first encounter him? Um, I first encountered Manchester Black with uh, actually Justice League Elite, um, the comic series that came out a while back. Um, the f- I, I got both of them uh, in trade, luckily. Um, they were just at the comic book store, and, I, and, you know, I was real heavy into Justice League reading and thought that I should pick them up and then started flipping through it and realized that this cool punk dude with purple hair <laughs> was just awesome and then i realized uh this was even after the the animated movie came out i realized that that existed and then watched that and then fell in love with him even more for that portrayal and it just snowballed after that um i ended up getting <laughs> I, I play hero clicks which is like a board game for you know board game purposes a lot of dc characters i play that but i got the hero clicks for manchester black and was so excited because i just pulled them (laughs) out of like a random booster pack and it was just meant to be you know that is so cool well and uh justice league elite we will talk about that as we get on through this spotlight Uh, it's an interesting uh series because it mixes a little bit of the elite which we'll talk about with uh, some of the Justice League members, which seems like a crazy idea. Uh, but we will definitely get into that. Um, but before we start discuss, uh, discussing uh, Manchester Black for the spotlight, we need to get to... The news. Deadline.com reports that Elizabeth Tulloch has been cast as Lois Lane. She'll be appearing in the three-night crossover event, which kicks off with The Flash on Sunday, December 9th at 8 p.m., followed by Arrow on December 10th at 8 p.m., and capping off with Supergirl on December 11th. Um, so, Nate, uh, do you know anything about Elizabeth Tulloch? I've never seen her in anything. No, this is all news to me. I'm I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Uh, it, she definitely looks the part. Um, and uh, I'm excited to see what she'll be doing in the crossover event. We know Superman is going to be with her. Uh, but as far as Lois and her part of it, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see where uh, she'll uh, be brought in and what she'll be doing. I'm sure she'll be doing something awesome, probably looking for the truth. Clearly. I mean, that's just a given with who Lois Lane is. So I'm very excited. We finally have our Lois Lane for the Arrowverse. That's awesome. And in other casting news, according to Supergirl.tv, actress Sarah Smythe has been cast as Ben Lockwood's wife, Lydia Lockwood. And Ben Lockwood, of course, is the DC Comics character, also known as Agent Liberty. Uh, So it looks like we'll be getting to see maybe some of Agent Liberty's family life and what it's uh, like for him and his loved ones. So I'm curious about that because Agent Liberty is uh, seemingly going to be played as a villain in season four. So I'll be curious to see what she uh, is up to. Uh, Have you ever uh, encountered Sarah Smythe before, Nate? No. Again, I'm just, uh, I don't know if I can get more on the edge of my seat. (laughs) Yeah, these are, these are two actresses um, for uh, Lydia Lockwood and Lois Lane that I've never seen them in anything. So I'll be discovering new, new talent uh, along with uh, just, you know, the rest of the people uh, watching the show. So I'm excited to uh, discover a new actress and see what they bring to the table. 
Well, um, I think that's going to cover our news section. We just had some casting news to talk about. Uh, So let's get into uh, talking about Manchester Black. So in season four, we are actually going to be introduced to him. So we are using this episode of Supergirl Radio to learn more about him. So, uh, of course, uh, Manchester Black is his name, and uh, he was created by Joe Kelly and Doug, I'm guessing it's Menke or Monkey or Monk. Uh, Some of these names, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce, so I'm sorry if I butchered that, Doug, Uh, but those were his creators. His first appearance was in Action Comics number 775, 775, from March 2001. Um, So that's a really big, famous story that we're going to be talking about in a couple of minutes. Um, And so let's, Nate, let's talk about some of his uh, more recognizable uh, physical traits. Uh, Manchester Black is a very unique looking character. Um, So what is it about him that sticks out to you in terms of his look? Oh, everything. I mean, (laughs) he's just one of the most aesthetically pleasing comic book characters I have ever seen. Um, I I like that whole uh, punk scene, that punk rock kind of kind of deal that he's got going on. Um, The overcoat was just, you know, cool throwback to just you know that that whole rebellious style um but i mean the hair was one of my favorite things it was just so purple and there wasn't a lot of purple in comics that i was reading um so it was just kind of just you know it was just oh wow new color i I need to pay attention you know eyes just darted right to it um but yeah everything about him uh just the whole style of just rebellion just kind of screamed to me when i was first learning about him Yeah, and one of the things that I did not realize, uh, except when I was actually reading some of the comic stories he was in, um, I didn't realize that his Union Jack design on the front, I always thought that that was like a t-shirt, but it turns out that that's a tattoo. I guess that speaks to his his punk rock-ness, that he would actually have a full-scale chest tattoo of a Union Jack on there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to join you in that boat because, to be honest with you, I just more recently learned that it was a tattoo as well. Um, I had to, I actually was talking about this, um, the animated movie for, uh, on my podcast a little bit ago and, um, I was just rewatching the film and, uh, I had subtitles on and I just so happened to be paying t- attention at the exact moment where his accent, like the, one of the di- lines of dialogue has slipped out. It's like, Oh, follow the guy with the union Jack tatted on his chest back to England. And I was like, Oh, 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 it's a tattoo. I always thought it was a, <laughs> like a like a like a tank top, uh, like a sleeveless shirt that was just tight on his skin, like a normal punk kid would wear. That was fairly recently. So, uh, embarrassing, maybe egg on my face, egg on our faces. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I feel the exact same way. The movie mentions it, and then when I went back to look at some of the comic stories he's in, you can kind of see that maybe it's a tattoo because, like, sometimes his maybe his jacket will be pulled away from him so you can kind of see that his bare back. So I I was just slapping my face, just like, oh no, I've totally not known this and I feel like a dummy. So it is an actual tattoo on his chest, um, not like a t-shirt or a tank top. We discovered that. So uh, we kn- now we know. Now we know. The more you know. <laughs> um, sometimes he does not have the Union Jack. Um, uh, I know uh, we'll talk about the, the Black Dawn uh, storyline that he's in in Rebirth, but uh, they don't really show him with the Union Jack 
uh, tattoo as much. It's kind of covered up, but he sometimes will have like a Union Jack on his belt buckle. So he does have that. So somewhere on him, there is a Union Jack. So that that's one of the things for me that sticks out a lot. But he's, you know, definitely purple hair, sometimes black hair, but mostly purple hair, uh, usually wearing like a long black trench coat. And he's usually smoking a cigarette because he's he's a punk. He's a you know, he's got that style to him. So he's a very uh, visually interesting looking character. Mm-hmm. Cigarettes are always just the international symbol for cool kids. <laughs> Write that down. Even <laughs> though you shouldn't smoke because uh, it ruins your lungs. Of course. But I guess visually in a comic book, that's what uh, he's trying to portray. Um, But okay, so let's talk about uh, his family. So he does have a sister um, named Vera, and she's also in the comics known as Sister Superior, and she's the leader of the Justice League Elite. Uh, So if you want some more on Vera, you can check out those issues as well as the animated movie Superman versus the Elite because she is also featured there. So he does have a sister. Um, He's affiliated with uh, the Elite, of course, which is like his main team. But he's also been a part of the Suicide Squad and he's also been a part of Star Labs, which I was very surprised to learn. Uh, I did not take him for a Star Labs kind of scientist guy. Hey, maybe he's got... uh some smarts up there under all that uh, hair dye. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't soak in too deep. So, uh, yeah, so he is associated with Star Labs. Um, his big abilities uh, are basically kind of mind powers. He has telekinesis and telepathy. Uh, so those are kind of what he's most famous for. Um, I kind of wanted to make sure that people knew about this uh, funky kind of transportation slash evil lair slash fortress that he and the elite use. Um, It's actually a bacteria colony named Bunny uh, that is transformed into a floating fortress. So if you read his first appearance or if you uh, watch Superman versus the elite, Bunny is featured in those stories. So definitely uh, that is something you, you need to know about Manchester Black. All right, so Nate, uh, let's talk about Action Comics number 775 uh, from March 2001 uh, because that is his first appearance in the comics. And he appears in a really big Superman story. I think this is one of the, uh, maybe not the most famous Superman story, but it's a very well-known story called What's So Funny About Truth, Justice, and the American Way. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of people notate it as What's So Funny About Truth, Justice, and the American Way, but I think in the comic it has it uh, apostrophe bout, um, as as if uh, Manchester Black is saying it with his sort of... uh, British slangy kind of uh, accent. The Cockney in him, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's pretty funny. Um, so have you uh, read this story before? Yeah, a while ago. Um, but I remember a lot of it being, it was a time when Superman was quote-unquote outdated or kind of going that way. And uh, it was another time for a character like Manchester Black to be perfectly introduced where, you know, Superman uh, was still just punching things and and being normal superman there wasn't anything big crazy going on especially in you know 2000 2001 all that time um so it was definitely a a wrench in the system uh, at the time that i remember the entire arc was for superman it was just like hitting a crazy chord for the whole character yeah there's definitely a lot of that where uh clark is sort of questioning superman's place in the world are his ideals and his philosophy outdated? Uh, so there's, there's a big uh, component of the story, and especially with his uh, disagreements and um, differences with Manchester Black, for sure. Um, so 
I, I think this story, um, Action Comics uh, 775, uh, really sets up uh, a lot of what you'll see if you go through Manchester Black's comic book history. You'll see a lot of this stemming from uh, this one story. So um, it opens up with this news report of these four small, uh, quote, four small gods called the Elite saving the day in uh, Tripoli. And a Daily Planet reporter, Clark Kent, is uh, covering the news. And this happens, like, right off the bat. There's not a whole lot of, like, dipping your toes into the story. It goes very, very fast. Um, So it doesn't take very long. um, And this is actually on page five. So it does, for me, it went really fast. But it doesn't take long for the issue to establish that Clark Kent and Manchester Black have different views on heroism. Um, Clark doesn't really like this new group called the Elite. Uh, He calls them murderers, and he doesn't think that they're heroes. And uh, there's a really great uh, bit where um, this man walks by Clark Kent uh, named Jack Ryder, who uh, in DC Comics lore is the creeper. And he defends the Elite, telling Clark, quote, the world is sick and broken. People want someone to fix it not hand out slogans and bandages. The age of Superman is over. Viva the elite. So that kind of um, sets up kind of how people start to view the elite. They become very popular. A lot of people around the world really like what the elite uh, are doing. Um, But they have a different philosophy from Superman. Uh, They actually release a manifesto that reads, quote, be good or we'll blow your house with a 50 megaton clod seeking cluster bomb, unquote. Uh, so that's um, that seems really violent. Uh, they don't really uh, settle for, you know, trying to forgive people or taking them to court. Uh, they're just going to blow up your house. Yeah. So they have a very different view of what it means to be a, quote, hero in this story. Um, so... Uh, what I thought was really interesting was that Manchester Black uh, claims that he and the elite are big fans of Superman. That seemed really surprising. What Nate, what do you think about the fact that they admire Superman but are trying to outdo him? I, I love it, to be honest with you. Um, I can be on that same wavelength uh, that Manchester Black is on. Um, Superman is one of my favorite characters, very dear to my heart. Um, but there are some times where it's... You're getting stale, buddy. And it's, <laughs> and it's nothing to the character. It's nothing to the writers. It's just um, the world is changing. So Superman is one of the figureheads in literature that has to change with the world. He is a monument. He is what people look up to. He's just that staple character in literature. And if something like that can't change with the times... Um, it just won't work. I mean, you cannot just make a movie. You can't make a book of Max Fleischer's Superman just going around saving Lois Lane from a dragon trying to chomp on her when she's just trying to take a picture. Yeah. It's just like, that, that doesn't work. He has to have real-world complications. And Manchester Black was one of these guys that, that saw that and decided to try to fix it his own way. So him going up to Superman and saying, hey, man, I'm a really big fan. You know, I'm actually... You're my hero. I I get you, but I think I can do your job better. <laughs> it's just like that's almost uh like the everyday man, um the guy that was uh, it's Manchester Black, the guy that was kicked down as a kid by people that were bigger than him and told him that he was never going to amount to anything. Now he thinks he can amount to something, and he sees the guy that's amounting to everything, and says, "Hey, you know, I'm pretty sure I can do what you're doing, boss." And uh, nobody really needs your slogans anymore. So, I mean, he's he's just on he's on the right page. Uh, his mind's in the right 
arena he his actions just are not <laughs> yeah he might he and the elite might push it a little too far but i i'm like you i kind of get where he's coming from a little bit he does have to you know he has some uh common sense i guess about things and about the way things are and about reality and what you know really is happening so uh, i can i can sort of understand where he's coming from but yeah he he takes it a little too too close to the edge uh, but yeah, so, uh, Manchester Black is hanging around with these, uh, other people in the elite. Uh, so his, his team includes a character named the hat who is kind of, he's like a magician, mm-hmm. a sorcerer. Um, he sort of pulls things out of his hat like a magician would. Uh, there's a character named Menagerie. Uh, so she, I don't know, how would you explain her, Nate? She's kind of, she's got like snakes that come out of her. Yeah, she's a demon. A demon, that's a good way <laughs> to describe her. She's she's very uh, scary. She's got wings. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, got, she's got these like reptile things that come out of her. Yeah, she's she's great. She's great. I Honestly, I loved her in that animated movie. It was, she was the perfect comic relief in that movie. Yeah, she <laughs> was pretty... Um, Saucy is that the word? Yeah, that's a that's a. I think that's a good word we're looking for here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll go. We'll go with saucy. Uh, I guess that's the best way to put it. Um. And the other member of the elite is a uh, cold cast. So I don't know how you would explain his powers. I guess he's he's got like electromagnetic powers. That's the only thing I know to explain him by. I think he's like a buff static. Yeah. He he has um the ability to kind of charge things. And yeah, he's there. He's a really big <laughs> big guy. Yeah. So even though the elite are uh, supposedly fans of Superman. Superman is no fan of theirs because they kill some people in Japan and that does not sit well with Superman. And he even, I thought this was really interesting, Nate. He asks them, what's next? Were Brocken Liebenstrom, I think is how you say that. I don't speak German, and I think that's German. Um, But when I tried to look that reference up, it uh, led me to some results about Nazis and ethnic cleansing. Mm -hmm. So I think Superman was trying to, in a very intelligent way, uh, above my uh, uh, brain power, but I think he was trying to relate the fact that the, the elite don't take the humanity of these people into account. Um, so I thought that that was a really uh, interesting way to show how very opposed to the elite Superman is at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they saw themselves as rock stars where Superman can definitely see past that. So good on you, mate. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so they definitely are buttonheads in this story. Um, and it's really interesting to me that Manchester, when he sees that Superman opposes them, he thinks that Superman is actually jealous of them because, like you said, they're becoming punk rock stars, whatever you want to call them. Around the world, they're becoming very popular. So Manchester Black, he even says to Superman, he says, in addition to the fact that they are fans of Superman, he says, you know, I, I used to love heroes, uh, but that he would never use the word hero for what the elite do. So at least he has some self-awareness of the fact that maybe they aren't the kind of hero that Superman is. Uh, so I think he does see that difference. Um, and Manchester even uh, likens heroes to, quote, good pounding the snot out of evil and bright tights, no questions, no gray areas. And that, quote, masks are for hiding and capes are for play, unquote. And I, I thought it was a, a fascinating little uh, line of dialogue there that he's, you know, he here's this man with the last name of Black, and he believes that in reality, the grays, stretch out farther than most people think. So there's a lot of playing on uh, the word black 
in this issue. And I think you'll even see some of that in the the rebirth uh, story that we're going to talk about, um, where they they talk about black black and white yeah well and uh so superman you know (laughs) being superman he's trying to stand up for what he thinks is right and stand up for his beliefs about uh doing the right thing and he tells manchester black that he you know he's not an idiot and that even though he recognizes that there are bad men in power and that the world is not an equitable place they can't just throw morality in the garbage just because life is tough and i i don't know about you but i was actually glad to see that superman recognized that somebody might see him in his, you know, sort of um, old-fashioned morality, I guess. And I don't even want to say it's old-fashioned morality. It's just morality um, that some people might think that that's silly or that's dumb. And he, 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 I think he recognizes that somebody like Black would oppose him uh, on that. So I was glad to see that Superman stood up for himself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, would you expect anything less from the guy? <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad that he uh, he stood up for doing the right thing. And uh, but the thing that's really sad to me is that even though he does stand up for himself, Black's philosophy, I guess, sort of leads Clark to question his own actions and ideals as Superman. You know, he starts to wonder, is Black right? And he even goes home to uh, Smallville to talk to his, his pa, and he wonders, you know, should you have to become a demon in order to fight them? So that's a really big conflict that's going on with Superman in this story is that you know, he doesn't know if he should uh, stick with what he knows, um, uh, you know, trying to do the right thing and uh, seeing the humanity in people, or should he do what the elite do and just kill people so that, you know, people don't just go to prison and then get out again and commit crimes and then go to prison and get out again and commit crimes and have this cycle that goes on. So, uh, so he's really questioning himself. And I think one of the Probably one of the sadder parts of the story is that uh, Superman overhears some kids playing in a like a playground, and they're they're playing pretend. And uh, some of the kids don't want to be Superman because Superman doesn't kill, and they they don't think it's fair because they can't beat the the kids playing the elite because they can't kill. So it's a it's sad for Superman to see these kids, you know, sort of abandon. Um, looking up to him as a hero. Yeah, which, I mean, those kids playing there were just so, you know, perfectly placed. So, of course, Superman was going to fly by at that time. They were placed. It's a conspiracy, Rebecca. We're running with this. <laughs> it seems It seems like it's meant just to affect him emotionally. Yeah. And uh, it's, yeah, it's it's heartbreaking because I I think he wants to believe that Superman is a is a is an ideal that a lot of people want to strive for and to see these kids being like I don't want to be Superman. I think you know that really does a number on him. Yeah, that's upsetting, especially coming from, you know, a guy that's a quote-unquote hero. You don't want to see someone, you know, especially a younger generation that were look up at you, you know, completely turn it 180 and uh it's you said it was a it's, it's a it's a very sad and emotional thing for Superman to be questioning all this. I for one think it's kind of terrifying. Um, the moment that uh, a, a person like Superman, um, with all of his power and with all of his restraint, starts questioning um, whether or not he should cross that line that the elite do, that's something you don't really want to stick around for. <laughs> yeah, no, he has so many powers and he, he could kill people without a thought. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it is very scary what yeah. Superman can do. So, yeah, if he decided to cross that line and do what the elite do... Uh, it would be a really terrifying place because he wouldn't be 
Uh, I mean, the elite feel like that they're above the law. So what if Superman was above the law? Foreshadowing. Ooh, a little something for the the guests there. So yeah, these ideological differences between Superman and Manchester Black continue and things escalate pretty quickly in the comic. I feel like the movie does a little bit better job at this point in the story, but we'll, we'll get to the movie in a little bit. Uh, But in the comic version, it's kind of hard. I I don't know. Maybe I was the only one who had a problem with it. But it went from Clark and Lois having a a serious discussion to, oh, I've got to go fight them. Uh, So that that came very quickly for me. Uh, But basically, the gist of it is that Superman has to go fight the elite. He's ha- he has to have this showdown with them at dawn. I do agree with you. The The movie did it really well where it was, I think the buildup was, um, you know, it showed everybody around the world arguing and, and, every, and having all these discussions of, you know, Superman being lame and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, I think he got like an invite and it was like, hey, come, uh, you know, either take us down or don't take us down. And uh, we'll, we'll see you there, big guy. And it was, it was, it was very... Uh, theatrical because she doesn't think they think the elite would want it to 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 be that way uh yeah i would agree i i think the movie does a better job of building to that point but um but the comic i i like the clark and lois uh panels um that are in in the comic version because it's all kind of in blue oh yeah uh, trying to make it look nighttime and uh it's a very intimate sort of set of panels where they're you know clark and lois are in bed talking about this very serious thing that clark might have to go sacrifice himself because lois Lois is concerned because she doesn't think that he can beat the elite because uh, she knows that Manchester Black, and this is one of his abilities, you know, he can punch a hole in a mountain by thinking, just by thinking. And so she is really kind of scared, I think, um, that Superman might face them and not come back. Um, But Clark is very determined that he wants to show people um, that there's another way and that they... uh, that they, you know, the people need to ha- hear a voice of compassion and faith instead of spite and anger. So this is why he wants to go face down the elite, um, even though, you know, he doesn't want to have to face them because, I mean, he, he probably, probably doesn't want to fight anybody, but he's he's trying to make a point. So uh, they have this big showdown and Superman uh, convinces the elite to take their big fight to a location that won't, you know, affect any innocent people in Metropolis. So they actually move the fight to the Jupiter moon. And I guess it's pronounced Io. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So they actually go to space (laughs) to have this fight because why not if you could go to space? Yeah. Um, so with the world watching, Manchester uh, begins monologuing as villains tend to do. He tells Superman that whoever has the power makes the rules. And he says the whole situation isn't about love, but rather, quote, it's about removing the cancers that fester in us and flushing them down the toilet. And that, quote, people don't want babysitters and spandex to slap them on the wrist when they're bad. They want surgeons to cut the ugly bits from them, unquote. And uh, then uh, Manchester offers up his uh, medical services as Dr. Manchester Black. Which was fantastically done in that movie. Again, I'm just, I keep on bringing up the movie, but uh, it was it was beautiful. The monologue is great. Yeah, his, his monologue <laughs> there really reveals uh, the way he sees society, the way he sees his role mm-hmm. uh, with the elite. Um, so what did you think about uh, their fight? I know we'll talk about... Um, you know, what Superman does to beat them. What did you think when you were reading the story uh, about the decisions that Superman makes and how that that showdown uh, results, what what the results are for that showdown? Knowing the outcome, it's extremely clever. It's beautiful. It's it's theatrical. It's something that I've never really thought that Superman um, would be 
it, it would, wouldn't be written in a Superman story. It was great. But um, the fight as a whole, it was, it was fun. It was, uh, it was a cool comic book fight. It was Superman taking on a team. And um, that's just always, always great, you know, something other than giant robots or non-sentient monsters. Um, <laughs> but again, um, when he started out the monologuing, and jumping back real quick, when he, the, the beginning of his quote, when it says it's about removing the cancers that fester in us, that's just one of those things where it was just so perfectly written um, and delivered with such gusto that he actually believes it and, you know, flip the coin around. Sorry, man, bad day. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the fight was, it was great. Um, it came to... Uh, a halt very beautifully you we can we can talk about that now yeah yeah uh, so how do you how do you feel about because there there is something that superman does there uh to end the fight in a way that i guess from superman's point of view he uh does what he wants to do where he shows people that there is another way without killing uh but what are your feelings on uh, how he goes about it um, it was great. It's, it's terrifying. It's jaw dropping. It's, it's, it's awesome with all respect to that word. Um, it was honestly one of these power. Can we say, can I say what he does? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Spoil it. He lobotomizes him. He finds, you know, that, that anomaly that's giving, uh, Manchester black his, his telekinetic powers. And he essentially just melts it out of his brain, which is, you know, he focuses heat vision super fine and just, I get Dr. Superman. So instead, not Dr. Manchester Black, which is, uh, it's awesome, but it's, it's terrifying. And I feel like that's the same kind of feeling that maybe when they first introduced flight to the character, people were like, Oh my gosh, he can fly. Wow. But then you add, yeah, well he can lobotomize someone with his heat vision. That's the same kind of feeling. Oh my gosh, he can lobotomize <laughs> someone like that's it's just crazy. Um it is another very clever thing for Superman to do. It's a perfect end to someone that thinks that he's you know, his mind is the greatest weapon of all. Well, you know, Superman may have reminded him that you could even lose that. You know, it's just it's it's sad. Um the guy doesn't have powers anymore. He's stripped of them. Uh, he's stripped of his entire being in a sense. And it's just, uh, it's powerful. It's, it's powerful. Yeah. Part of me is conflicted about it because it is a little bit violating for Superman to have done that to him. Um, but at the same time, I, I guess that was the only way out of it, uh, so that he wouldn't kill Manchester and he would remove his power so that he, he wouldn't hurt anyone else. Cause Manchester was killing people yeah. with those, those abilities. Um, so this was a way to keep him alive, but keep him powerless in a way. Uh, so that it's, it's tough because, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a little bit, uh, controversial for me, um, to think about that. He, you know, it is terrifying that he does have these powers, but I do like the, the point you uh, mentioned that he, Superman is actually the doctor. It's not my Manchester black. Uh, Superman is the doctor here. Um, but yeah, so I think the, uh, the way that the story goes about showing Manchester, like actually, um, showing him by making him experience these things, you know, seeing his team uh, get, quote, killed, which Superman doesn't actually uh, kill them. He just sort of uh, 
makes them, uh, let's see, what does he say? He says uh, that they're just kind of knocked out, they're disabled, they're unconscious, and <laughs> they, have, they have a few headaches, but they're fine. They're not dead. He doesn't end up killing them. But because Manchester thinks he, he uh, that Superman did, he sort of has to see what other people see when they see the elite. So I, I do like that uh, Superman flipped that on him to, to help him understand what the elite were actually doing. Um, well, and the issue ends with this really um, great speech from Superman, and he's talking about how he'll never stop fighting for his dream of a world where dignity, honor, and justice become the reality that everyone shares, which is a really uh, great and heroic speech uh, from Superman. And uh, they, they talk about dreams all throughout the issue, so I feel like it's earned by the end there on the last page. So uh, overall thoughts about uh, Manchester Black's uh, first appearance in the comics. What did you think, Nate? Blown away. Uh, that's just right right up there, straight up blown away. Um, he was great. It was a character that threw a wrench into Superman that I wasn't expecting, and it made me think about something other than truth, justice, and the uh, American way, if you will. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Manchester Black uh, represents a different point of view, mm-hmm. not just the uh, the American way. Uh, but yeah, I, I like that he challenges Superman, and Superman, uh, you know, does stand up for what he believes. And uh, ends up victorious at the end of the issue. So yeah, it's a great it's a great Superman story. Uh, Manchester Black is great in it. The Elite are great in it. So I highly recommend it if uh, if you've never read it. Great first appearance for a character. Um, well, let's dig into some of his other appearances in, in the comics. He hasn't been in a lot of comic stories, uh, but we are going to talk about a few of them. Uh, so uh, his next appearance was Adventures of Superman, number 593, which is uh, has a print release date of June 13th, 2001. And I believe this issue came out about five months after Manchester Black's first appearance that we just we just talked about. So this was uh, very shortly after that. So basically, the gist of this story is that Lois Lane is investigating a prison break from Strikers Island, which is a metahuman facility in DC Comics. And she discovers that one of President Lex Luthor's cabinet members, uh, who shockingly, uh, turns out, is a Secretary of Defense Major Samuel Lane, who happens to be Lois Lane's father. Uh, uh, one of President Lex Luthor's cabinet members shows up to enact a government transfer for a new specialized government program. Uh, So uh, this is where Manchester Black joins the Suicide Squad, um, and he gets recruited for uh, this. Um, And there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes down. Superman is paid a surprise visit by Manchester Black, who informs Supes uh, that the United States government has recruited him as the acting field leader for the Suicide Squad. And it turns out that Manchester Black didn't have a choice about it. He kind of had to do it. <laughs> uh, there was a regulator fluid that was injected into his spinal cord. And if he steps out of line, he's paralyzed by remote control, which is kind of the MO of the Suicide Squad, that if you don't do it, something bad will happen to you. Hence the Suicide part of the suicide squad <laughs> you really hit the nail on the head with that one <laughs> so uh, so he's he's recruited to join them doesn't really have a choice about it but he is part of this and it's a it's a pretty good issue i, I really like the stuff with uh, lois lane and her father sam lane lots of good intense superman versus president lex luther stuff at the end and uh, there's uh, amanda Wall- amanda waller shows up which is always a treat um so i, I enjoyed adventures of superman number 593 
uh, had your typical Manchester black, uh, long black trench coat, purple hair, Union Jack tattoo, and uh, smoking a cigarette. So this is very much the continuation of that look from his first appearance. I'm recording Suicide Squad for my show now, and like I'm learning so much about this team and all the books. I have absolutely no background knowledge of Suicide Squad, so I didn't even know Manchester Black was in that run. There you go. He is a member of the Suicide Squad. So uh, that is uh, one of his other team affiliations. Awesome. The next comic story that he is in is called Ending Battle. And this was uh, released in 2002. Uh, The original run uh, was in the Superman titles in 2002 with a trade paperback print release date of May 26th, 2009. So I don't know why it took so long for him to put out that uh, paperback. But uh, so this happened not too long after... Uh, Adventures of Superman number 593. So Manchester Black seems at the early 2000s, he's he's gotten a lot of stories that they are cranking out with him. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely a, a, a key character at that time period. It was really good because it was like it was it wasn't just um, rebellious nature of uh, the society, the age group that was reading comic books at the time, but it was also trying to play towards comics as a whole. Um, you know, they were still trying to clean up some messes that they were doing, but. Uh, Manchester Black was a character that, again, I like to use the phrase, he was just a wrench in that machine, Um, especially in Superman stories. He was just like the exact inverse of the character. So it's just fun to throw him in and sprinkle him in some stories where he can just cause a ruckus. Well, and he does in this story. So in Ending Battle, uh, there's a mysterious benefactor who is sending supervillains to attack people in Clark Kent's life. Uh, Vice President Pete Ross and his wife, Lana Lang, are attacked by Master Jailer, which I thought was interesting. He, uh, Master Jailer, uh, fans of Supergirl, uh, will know that he appeared in season one of the show. Uh, Jonathan and Martha Kent get attacked by Atomic Skull. Jimmy Olsen is visited by King Shark. Uh, Lex Luthor, who is given Superman's secret identity by the mysterious benefactor, is attacked by the elite. Clark's high school football coach, his local librarian, his dentist, his accountant, his physician, his optometrist, his journalism professor... Uh, at the University of Metropolis, who was attacked by Helgramite, which fans of the uh, Supergirl TV series will recognize, they are all threatened because they have a connection to Clark Kent. So this mysterious benefactor knows Clark Kent's uh, identity and uh, wants to threaten his uh, personal life. Uh, but Lois Lane, of course, is the most important person in Clark's life, and she is saved for the big finale. So uh, I'll give you one guess who the mysterious benefactor in this story is. Lex Luthor. Manchester Black. Got it. Man, I was so close. I was so close. I actually knew that. So close. I was trying to throw the the, the listeners off. It could have been. But really, (laughs) the mysterious benefactor is Manchester Black. And he actually shows up at Lois and Clark's apartment, which is at uh, 1938 Sullivan Street. Uh, so Lois is bought all by herself, and Superman is all fighting these supervillains like Metallo and Bizarro, Silver Banshee and Mongol. Um, so he's off being distracted. Lois is by herself at the apartment. And I thought this setup was a little bit like the killing joke. 
in that Manchester Black is trying to create Superman slash Clark Kent's worst day in hopes that he can get Superman to kill someone. So he tortures Lois with uh, Lois with visions of her father, telling her that he's disgusted with her and that she's a disappointment and making her feel worthless and unloved by Superman. And uh, he shows her these, I mean, this is really intense, tough stuff. Like he shows her this vision of Superman and Wonder Woman together. I mean, this is just really kind of cruel what he's doing to Lois. Um, and so when Superman is, you know, finished fighting off all of these supervillains, he flies home and he finds Manchester Black having a smoke over Lois Lane's dead body. And it is a pretty graphic image. Um, just, you know, she's dead on the floor. Superman's on his knees. Uh, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking when you look at it. And Manchester Black explains that the reasons, he, the reasons that he's planned and carried this sick plan out are because he wants Superman to see the, quote, absurdity of who Superman is and everything he's ever done, unquote, that uh, he does it because he hates Superman, thinks he's stupid, and he wants to, quote, pull him out of his tower and show him beyond question how the world works for real people, unquote. And killing Lois and going after Clark's family and friends is how Manchester Black thinks he's going to make Superman feel the pain that humans have to go through because he's this, you know, alien who, uh, in Manchester Black's mind, I think he doesn't think that Superman feels pain uh, because he's invulnerable, probably. Uh, so he's doing all of these things to his family and friends to make him go through what humans would go through uh, in order to feel pain. So Superman gets really angry and he wants to fight Manchester for what he's done. Uh, but of course, this time he can't use heat vision uh, to lo lobotomize Black like he did back in his first appearance in Action Comics number 775 because now uh, Manchester Black has reflective implants uh, so he can't uh, perform on-the-spot on brain surgery this time. Uh, so Manchester Black keeps taunting him about Lois to the point that Superman, I mean, he really wants to kill him. But Superman realizes that killing Black would undo everything he'd spent his whole life fighting for and would dishonor the principles that he and Lois held in their hearts. And the best way for Superman to beat Manchester Black this time around is not to kill him. And if that's what Manchester Black wanted... He is going to be a loser in this battle. So it's a really intense thing that goes, that goes on that the, the apparent death of Lois Lane, and I say apparent because uh, there will be a little twist there at the end, but the, the death of Lois Lane drives him to want to kill Manchester Black, and that's what Manchester wants. So the fact that he chooses not to do it is really uh, disappointing <laughs> for Manchester Black. So if you're really concerned about Lois Lane, uh, don't be. She's fine. Um, it's revealed at the end that Lois Lane is actually still alive, and it was just an illusion created by Manchester Black. So uh, all was good, and uh, Lois and Clark get a happy ending. But this is, uh, if you're a big Manchester Black fan, this is going to be a little disappointing and sad. Uh, he's so upset by his defeat, he blows himself up. Yeah, or so it seems. <laughs> so it is uh, pretty devastating for Manchester Black that he does all of these things. He tortures everyone in Superman's life, and he doesn't push him to the edge. Um, and so he realizes at the end that he had become a supervillain. And it, you know, he's in his apartment by himself. Uh, he kind of throws his cigarette on the floor, and kaboom. Uh, actually, it's paboom is what the comic says. 
and he uh, blows himself up. Do you think that's justice? Do you think that's that's good for Manchester Black? Do you think uh, he couldn't have done anything else? He, he couldn't have just, you know, gone to sleep, waking up the next day and been like, all right, well, I guess I'm just not, not going to kill Superman today. Yeah, that's interesting that he uh, he doesn't seem to have a purpose anymore. It seems like his purpose in his mind is that he wants to challenge Superman to get him to kill. That seems to be Manchester Black's big thing throughout all of his stories in the comics is that he just wants to get Superman to cross that line and he never seems to do it. And I guess <laughs> I guess if you keep trying to do it and it doesn't happen, uh, for him, that was his purpose. And he he I guess he felt worthless and hopeless. And he uh, he decided to to take his own life, and to to me that's sad because I you know I hate that anyone would do that, but you know he I guess realized what he had done, so it's it's a, a couple of heartbreaking panels there just just to see that. So, but to more directly answer your question about whether or not justice was served with Manchester's death. I would say no, because he never stood trial. He never went in front of a jury. He didn't have prosecutors grilling him. And Lois and Clark don't have that kind of legal closure. But I guess you could also look at it from the point of view that with his death, he is no longer going to hurt anybody. So uh, I guess that maybe goes back to the whole Superman versus the elite debate. A devastating end for Manchester Black, but it's an interesting story nonetheless. In a lot of ways, it's, he's a, uh, I mean, you can even draw so many lines from Manchester Black to the Joker. Yeah. The cat and mouse that him and Batman have. And um, that, I've I've actually had that conversation where, you know, someone has brought up, um, oh, well, Manchester Black is just superman's joker and say like, okay well, that's really broad strokes my guy uh tone it down <laughs> a little bit yeah the uh there's certain aspects there that um this character could do and this at, at the time this character was pulling out of superman um but i wouldn't go so far as to say that you know it's the exact inverse of uh batman and joker but it's still a fun thing to think about um uh, it's it's just uh manchester was you know, such the inverse to the character that you kind of, obviously you don't, he doesn't need to stay around, (laughs) clearly, but uh, he's fun to keep around in the Superman repertoire. Yeah, I do get a lot of killing joke vibes from this ending battle story, uh, just in the way that Joker tries to get Batman to have that bad day that makes him want to kill uh, so there, there are some elements there, but I, I agree. I think Manchester Black, he, you know, stands out on his own, um, that he, he doesn't need those Joker parallels, even if it does kind of, uh, lean a little bit on the killing joke in, uh, my opinion. Um, but, uh, so that takes us to 2004 where, uh, the Justice League Elite comes out and Nate, you, you seem to have, uh, some some knowledge about this. Uh, could you tell our listeners about sort of the premise of the Justice League Elite? Yeah, the premise of the Justice League Elite. Um, it was at a time, in my opinion, where Justice League stories were um, kind of on uh, the back burner and they were trying to jump the sharks on a lot of things. And um, mainly these stories focus around Manchester Black's uh, sister, who we learned about a while ago. Um, Manchester Black is really only like sprinkled in these books, which I thought was great. Um, but his influence in, uh, his sister as, um, you know, she's working with this team of Justice League, 
um, it, it was just perfect for, for that time. And um, it, again, threw a wrench into everything that I knew that was Justice League. It's basically a, kind of a black ops team. So, uh, so that the Justice League can do these kind of uh, riskier kind of uh, dirtier jobs without ruining the, the, the good reputation of the Justice League, I guess. Another cool thing about um, this series that I, I kind of wanted to point out was um, that um, with the, the Black Ops Justice League team that, that came out of the, um, uh, the arguments that, that the heroes were having with each other, um, it was kind of split down the middle. It was the Justice League did not like that uh, there was going to be a covert Justice League ops team, which is kind of cool because everybody loves that. Even there was that whole Young Justice show that was essentially that. But um, Flash was like that outlier character that was kind of on the fence. I mean, he was like working two jobs at the same time. He was still <laughs> on the main seven Justice League team, but they needed the speedster on the covert team. So he had this really awesome black uh, stealth suit that he would put on. And um, he was honestly torn between, uh, you know, the conflicting ideas that uh, the members of the elite team had uh, opposed to the actual big seven that you know flash was close to um he, he had a really good arc in that run um but yeah other than that it was just a really cool black ops uh story of justice league that was something that i never saw so i was drawn to it i like the idea that the flash was having to work two jobs and then do justice league stuff <laughs> and then justice league elite because you know maybe the flash could be in two places at once oh yeah absolutely don't even put it past him yeah so uh of all the the people in the justice league i think maybe he could do multiple things at once uh so that's very cool well uh the next uh time we see manchester black is in the new 52 from 2011 and i couldn't actually get my hands on some of the new 52 issues with manchester black so i'm kind of going off wikipedia here um in the new 52 continuity of dc comics manchester black is a high-ranking star labs executive an executive no less uh not just a little lab employee an executive uh he creates algorithm an ai that commits acts of terrorism throughout new york city in order to lure the teen titans to star labs where he stages an attack against himself in order to be saved by the titans and gain their trust he then proposes a partnership with them uh suspicious of manchester black's real intention uh, intentions, Red Robin agrees to it, but sends Beast Boy to investigate him. So Manchester Black in the New 52, uh, back to uh, no good, uh, committing acts of terrorism and tricking the Titans. So uh, he's back to his villainous ways in the New 52. Yeah, and then I don't even think they finished that. I think that was when Teen Titans stopped and then started again or something like that with the New 52 when it was all a wacky new new mess. Yeah, it sounds a lot like the uh, Supergirl stuff in the New 52. They kind of stopped it at some point and uh, didn't get to finish it out. And they stopped it at such a good part too. (laughs) (laughs) So sad. I know, I know. Well, and that takes us to DC Rebirth, which uh, kicked off in 2016. Um, Manchester Black really features very heavily in uh, Volume 4 of the Superman run uh, in in a storyline called Black Dawn. Manchester Black recently returned to DC Comics in the Rebirth continuities uh, Superman number 23, 
Uh, this time around, Manchester's purple hair and Union Jack a tattoo are gone, but he retains a smoking addiction and a hatred for Superman, so some things never change. Um, in an almost exact copy of the Ending Battle storyline, which was so frustrating to me because I read Ending Battle and then I read Black Dawn, and I was like, how is this not the same story? Yeah. In Black Dawn, there is a mysterious figure sending monsters after Superman, and while Superman is distracted, does any of this sound familiar? Uh, <laughs> Manchester Black kidnaps Clark Kent and Lois Lane Kent's son, Jonathan, a.k.a. Superboy. So while he's uh, been taken hostage, young Jonathan is forced to watch his mother, Lois, get her right leg cut off, which is very gruesome. Uh, there's a big panel where everybody sees it, and it actually happens. It's just so hard to look at. Um, but no, no worries. This is just an illusion, uh, much like the ending to the ending battle story. It's just kind of an illusion. It's not real. She doesn't really get her leg cu uh, cut off or shot off. Um, but Jonathan, young Superboy, he thinks it's real. And after a great deal of torture, he succumbs to becoming Superboy Black and tries to fight his father, Superman. Of course, eventually Jonathan comes to his senses, fights for the side of good, and of course, Manchester Black is defeated. Uh, the ending is so funny. Uh, while the Kents uh, celebrate a return to normalcy after this whole, whole ordeal, uh, a bunch of kids go uh, to this farm and they want to go cow tipping. And they run into a cow that has been taken over by Manchester Black. So at the very end of the story, Manchester Black is actually uh, sort of taking over this cow and the cow they actually offer the cow a cigarette and he has purple eyes so uh <laughs> it's uh quite the ending for manchester black in this story that somehow he gets uh taken into this this cow um so that's how the story ends up um even though there are a lot of similarities to that ending battle story i actually like the art in black dawn a lot more um, I think it's a lot uh, prettier, and it does a very effective job at showing what all is going on. Although there is a difference in Manchester Black's uh, appearance in this. He doesn't have the purple hair. He's got black hair. He doesn't have the Union Jack uh, tattoo. Uh, he has the Union Jack. This is where he has the Union Jack belt buckle. So he's missing a few of those elements that I sort of associate with Manchester Black. But he is very evil in this one. And he does, uh, he goes so far as to corrupting Superman's son. And I think that that's one of the things that he... Uh, He's trying to do, again, to uh, do something to make Superman cross that line. And he always goes after his uh, family and friends to do it. It just seems like it's... Uh, I'm going to say this. I was bored by uh, the, the the rebirth Manchester Black in this whole run. Um, just because, again, it was a rehash of uh, Ending Battle. But it, it's like it seems like now they're kind of phoning in Manchester Black where it's like, oh, well... Now, what's Superman's biggest uh, heartstring? Well, let's just get Manchester Black to attack that. It's, you know, he had Lois Lane back in the early 2000s. Now he's got a son with her. And it's just, it seems just a little phoned in and um, boring. Yeah, I, I agree. It's very much a rehash of that earlier story. Um, but I, I, I do think that it's it's interesting to see what he would do to corrupt this, this young boy that he talks about. Um, 
You know, he says, your dad and I butted heads over um, some stuff in the past, but he would never see it my way. And he had to give up on the big blue Boy Scout. And he, he says, but you, Jonathan, you can be different. You've got what it takes. And he has this whole thing about black is black and white is white. And there's, there's the innocent and the guilty. And so he has this philosophy that he's trying to pass on to Jonathan to make him Superboy Black. Um, so there are some interesting elements in terms of the philosophy and the things that M- Manchester Black believes in the way he goes about things. But yeah, it's very much a, a, a an almost exact copy of that ending battle storyline. So I would like to see them do something a little bit different with Manchester Black because that always seems to be what he does. He kidnaps somebody or uh, tortures somebody just to get Superman to cross a line. And at some point, it's like, okay, dude, you you keep <laughs> failing at this. You're not very good at this. Yeah, well, Maybe try to find something else. Fingers crossed for Supergirl. <laughs> <laughs> no kidnapping, so I, please. I mean, it could happen, though. I could totally see an episode where Manchester Black maybe kidnaps Alex and makes Supergirl think uh, Alex is dead or something. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> I can totally see that happening because that's very much a Manchester Black thing to do. But I just love that ending where that the, the cow seems to be Manchester Black. Uh, I, I just I think that that's a great way to end that. Well, um, that brings us to his appearance in animated film because we've kind of gone through most of his comic book history. He's not in a whole lot, but he did appear in the animated film Superman versus the Elite. He was voiced by actor Robin Atkin Downs. And uh, of course, this movie is based on Manchester Black's first comic book appearance in Action Comics number 775. So what did you think about this uh, an- this animated adaptive version of his first appearance, Nate? Phenomenal. Uh, just just that. Phenomenal. I love this movie. <laughs> it's definitely an, an adaptation. It doesn't do, you know, panel by panel of the comic, which it shouldn't, in, in my opinion. Uh, all adaptations should kind of make it their own. And so I liked a lot of what they did in terms of creating that drama between Superman and the Elite. They sort of team up at one point at the beginning of the story. Yeah. And it seems like maybe they could get along. But uh, there's a point, And I think the turning point for Superman is when Manchester Black murders Atomic Skull. I don't know if that's yes. what you would say as well, but that's, that's a big point in the movie. Yeah, that's definitely it. Um, yeah, that's definitely the turning point, I would say. There's a lot of really great montages that the monologue that we talked about before with the Dr. Manchester Black, I would agree that there is a really good montage of that where they're showing kind of the the world watching everything that's happening. So uh, if you want to get a good taste, if you can't read the comic, watch the movie. Um, If you've read the comic, also watch the movie because uh, it does a few different things. Uh, But one of the things that I was conflicted about um, is that there is a moment right before Superman faces the elite in the big showdown in the, uh, I guess, the final act. In the movie, he leaves Lois a note and we actually get to see what it says. He, He writes, believe, always believe. But in the comic, we don't get to see what he writes. So I was conflicted about that because I was like, oh, I like it both ways. I think it would be cool just that, you know, we don't get to see what he writes to Lois because that's an intimate thing that maybe only she should be able to read. Mm -hmm. But then I also kind of like that he leaves her this inspirational thing before he goes. So there, there are some differences there that I can't decide if I like one over the other. Yeah. I mean, I love, uh, 
open-endedness and, um, you know, the option to give me to fill in the blanks, um, you know, especially with, with knowing the characters as much as I do, it's just fun to imagine what that note would have said. I'm still believing that, uh, that note said something different in the books. So (laughs) (laughs) we will never know. Um, the biggest, I think, change, uh, from the, the, the comic in the movie is that the movie, when Superman is sort of retelling how the elite uh, are still alive after uh, making Manchester think that he's ki- uh, that Superman has killed them, there's a lot of Superman bots, uh, superbots, Superman robots in this one, and so the Superman robots play a very key component of the uh, deception of that. That Superman uses them to make. Uh, to sort of rescue the elite so that they don't actually die. So that's something that the comic, I don't know, maybe I like the movie version better because in the comic it's sort of unexplained as to how Superman did that and still kept them alive. So I think the animated movie filled in some of those gaps. Yeah, it seems like they were just trying to, I don't want to say spoon feeding because that's such a negative term, but they were filling in those gaps. That's good. Now, let's use what you went with. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so there, there is that. And maybe that's because, uh, you know, maybe it's geared towards a younger audience. Maybe they uh, want to be able to make sure people understand what's going on. So I totally get that. And I, I guess we could talk about Vera Black. Uh, she is in this movie. We get a little backstory with her. We get her interaction with Lois. Um, since we talked a little bit about Vera, what did what did you think about getting to see her? It was cool to see her on the screen, um, but it, what she is in the movie is completely different than what her entire character is in Justice League Elite. So I was kind of confused as um, this was still kind of... Uh, novice e going into you know characters and everything so i was kind of confused as to why they changed her so much in the movie but then again it's just such a small part in the animated feature that there's no need to have her and um i think the, the entire backstory that manchester tells the the you know the the sob story about his sister and their life i'm pretty sure all that was a lie and vera comes up and says you know something to that like oh yeah whatever he's a crazy kid you know he's got telepathy but i'm you know i'm the brains guys and uh she was just amazing um all throughout justice league elite she was just cunning she was very intimidating and um in the animated feature it was just she just kind of gave lois lane a little bit of uh what was it like oh yeah here's some pictures of us when we were kids like (laughs) it's just it was just so so bleh yeah she gives her a a thumb drive of information that uh, helps lois figure out what's going on um, so that's kind of all we get of Vera, but there is a, a sob story that I actually kind of felt for uh, when I watched it. I, you know, it was it was sad to almost see Vera get hit by a train, but yeah, it does seem to be a lie that uh, Manchester tells Superman about his sister. And speaking of which, what what did you think about Robin Atkin Downs's performance as Manchester Black? This is the first time we actually get to see him in any adapted media. So what did you think? Do you think he really captured the essence of Manchester Black? Absolutely. I honestly can't uh, picture anything Manchester Black says or acts without uh, Atkins doing it. Like, it, it really is incredible to what he did on the screen i just watch it just to put it on to have that english accent in the background noise when i'm doing work (laughs) it's just every line of dialogue he delivers is so perfect all the monologues he hits are so amazing and so powerful he's just like 
stabbing you with bullet points and truth and it's coming from a a fan of superman where this one guy comes on screen and it's just like telling me everything that's wrong about my hero where it's like oh oh man you're you're great right now (laughs) (laughs) it was just so beautiful um the voice i honestly can only read and hear anything in his voice now as a as manchester yeah i thought he did a a really great job in in bringing that character to life and making him believable as this guy who was uh, somebody maybe you could gravitate towards, but he takes a turn there at a certain point in the movie that he becomes very scary. And uh, he he definitely becomes somebody that you wouldn't want to cheer for. And so I think that transition from, oh, well, maybe he's a hero to definitely he's a supervillain. That was very, very well done, I thought. And just as a Lost fan, I have to mention this. Uh, I like that the movie inserts a Lost reference in there. Uh, the hat tells Superman that his lucky numbers are 4, 8, 15, and then he's cut off before he can say 16, 23, and 42, which are the uh, very special numbers on ABC's Lost. So that makes me very, very happy uh, that they chose to do that. Anytime you can insert the Lost numbers, uh, I think that's a great thing, and it should be mentioned. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of pop culture references in that movie, and um, they were all. I remember them being a lot of jokiness. Um, some of them I don't think stood the test of time, but <laughs> the lost one definitely stays. That sequence of numbers is uh, burned into everybody's mind, isn't it? Yeah, uh, and I actually played them uh, on a lottery one time. There you go. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing bad happened, so that was good. Uh, but yeah, so that is a great, uh, adaptation of Manchester Black. If you want to give that a go, definitely watch Superman versus the elite. Well, uh, and we should mention that Manchester Black appears as an unlockable playable character in Lego Batman three beyond Gotham voiced yet again by the same actor from the movie, Robin Atkin Downs, his, uh, game movements to me when I sort of was watching the gameplay, uh, some of his movements sound like an electric guitar and uh, he, it sort of mimics his, you know, punk rock persona. In that game, he can fly. He can uh, create a force field that he can create in order to protect himself. And his target that he uses in the game and that force field are red and blue like the Union Jack that he, uh, he sports his, you know, tattoo on his chest so i think that's a really clever way that they incorporated the union jack in the game and uh the the guitar sound effect i thought was really appropriate and uh so very manchester black so i think that's a really cool part of that game i'm really glad that you made a point to to mention the guitar sound it was i thought that maybe that's what they were going for um punk rock and uh again going back to that film the opening sequence of that film is this really cool punk rock style comic sans uh just real heavy music just blaring at it Everything punk that revolved around Manchester Black just drew me in so much. And when I was playing Lego Batman and uh, Mark had it and he was, he was like, oh, Manchester Black's on a lockable car. I was like, all right, immediately went to it. I mean, flying around and everything. Oh, the sound was just, it fits so well. I'm glad I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah, his his punk rock persona, I think, is what makes him stand out a lot in, in terms of the DC canon. Is that he's very, he's very much a guy who looks like he would be 
at, at a punk rock club in England somewhere. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would agree that the movie does a really great job with that opening sequence. Uh, the the way it looks visually, um, uh, it's just it it screams um, punk to me. So yeah, I, I think it's a really cool aspect of his character visually. Mm-hmm. Well, and all of that leads us to Manchester Black on Supergirl. Uh, so in season four, actor David Ahala, who uh, will be recurring as Manchester Black in season four. Deadline.com describes him as, quote, the type of guy who brings a knife to a gunfight and still walks away the winner. With a dark past, he easily deflects the brutality of his mission with his charm and sense of humor, unquote. So, Nate, now that we've kind of gone over his first appearance and some of his comic book appearances and his movie version and even the uh, video gameplay, uh, what do you think about this description for him on Supergirl? I'm very interested to see what is going to happen. Um, Again, he's a character that I haven't hated everything that he's in i've loved everything that he's in it's it's hard for me to not think of something with manchester black and me to not pay attention to it he's just his his ideas his entire uh, character makeup is just something that is really cool um to throw into the superman and superman family uh characters um so for supergirl i'm excited to see um i don't know david ahala if i said that correctly uh I'm, i think that's how you pronounce yeah, it yeah sure let's go with it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh i'm very excited to see everybody in supergirl has just been phenomenal so i mean i haven't been disappointed but by, by anybody um other than the flash showing up but that doesn't that's neither here nor there <laughs> um but yeah i'm excited to see supergirl's just really uh kicking butt and taking names and again they're throwing manchester black i'm gonna pay attention <laughs> take my money <laughs> yeah i'm i'm excited uh for this uh for this actor because again it like we've talked about with the news section this is a new actor to me i have never seen him in anything uh so he'll be a, a new discovery for me and uh, I will be very curious to see what they do with Manchester Black because I, I, I would imagine that they would use him to uh, butt heads with Supergirl in terms of whether or not she would kill. I, I, that's my assumption that they will do something like that. Um, but I also wonder if they will... Uh, play him in terms of nationality because we will have Agent Liberty who will probably be more on on the uh, pro-America side of the story. And then we have a uh, we have another Kara who landed in Russia. So there's going to be sort of a Russian Supergirl. And then to bring Manchester Black in, who is very, you know, wears the, you know, sports the Union Jack on his chest and uh, is very much a British character. I I think that's very interesting to me that they have all these nationalities that they could play with on the show this season. So I I wonder if that will somehow come into play. But uh, I think uh, the casting has always been very good for the show. So I, I imagine he will be... He will be good in the part, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm curious to know how they'll play him. I have a question for you. Has there ever been um, uh, an episode of Supergirl that uh, one of her villains actually is just straight up, let's deal with your moral constraints? Um, well, Rain in season three sort of did that. She Rain served as the antithesis of, of Supergirl in a lot of ways. She, uh, you know, Rain had the 
symbol on her chest, the sigil, the the S shield, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Rain had a similar uh, glyph on her chest. She had the cape. Uh, she, you know, she could fly, do everything that Supergirl could do, but she was about uh, carrying out justice by killing people. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did. She did have a little bit of a a disagreement with Supergirl in order in order about how they both get justice uh, because Supergirl, of course, you know, uh, wouldn't go around killing people. So there was a little bit of that, but I don't think it took it to the point of like a Manchester Black storyline probably would. Yeah. Okay. So then it's probably going to be a lot. So so if that's like the, uh, if that's the bar for her moral battles, then Manchester's definitely got (laughs) to step over that one with his episodes. Yeah, and I'm curious if we'll get any of the elite with him. We haven't had any casting news or any uh, character descriptions about the elite, but uh, I would love it if maybe Manchester Black brought some friends with him. Yeah, make it a party. Make it a party. Uh, Manchester Black, I think, would like a party. Uh, (laughs) So that seems right up his alley. So we'll, we'll have to see what... Uh, season four holds for him, but uh, I'm very excited now that we have gone through his history uh, to, to learn more about him. Well, I think that's going to do it for our discussion about Manchester Black, but uh, Nate, if you would play along with me, we've got some Manchester Black snap judgments. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. So the first one is, what is Manchester Black's more visually defining look? Does he stand out more for you uh, in terms of his purple hair or his Union Jack tattoo? For me personally, it was the hair. For me, I think I'm going to go Union Jack tattoo. I think uh, that is what I think about when I think about about Manchester Black. Uh, So I actually really hope he... uh, Shows up on the uh, show with the Union Jack tattoo. That would be awesome. And purple hair. <laughs> and purple hair. I feel like he's got to have the purple hair. Yeah. I, I don't I don't want to say I'd be disappointed if he didn't, but maybe I would. <laughs> um, so the next snap judgment is, if you could have one superpower, would you rather have telescopic vision, which means you can see things from far away like a zoom lens on a camera, or would you rather have telekinesis, which is the power to manipulate objects and matter with your mind? That's too easy. Are you you cannot give me those easy telekinesis? What do you mean? Is everybody <laughs> just <laughs> telescopic vision? Um, I would, if I was a bird watcher, I would love that. Um, but I can't move the bird. I, if I had telekinesis, I can move the birds closer to me and and get a better look <laughs> at them. Right? That is true. That is true. I think I would choose telescopic vision because I've, since about the age of eight, I haven't been able to see far away. Uh, I, I, I think I'm nearsighted. I think that's what that means. Um, so I can't, I can't see things very far away. So I would be very jealous, uh, of being able to see things far away. So I would go telescopic vision. And bring everything closer to you with your mind. Well, yes, I guess I could do that as well. So maybe it's a, it's an either or, or maybe just go a telekinesis and you get the best of both worlds. Sure. Uh, so our last snap judgment is if you were a kid on the playground, ground would you rather pretend to be superman or manchester black superman no question interesting i thought maybe you were gonna go manchester black yeah he's cool i would go if it was um if you took me to 
a clothing store and said, hey, do you want to wear a Superman costume or a Manchester black outfit? I'd definitely go Manchester black outfit. But <laughs> it's it's the it's the moral constraint part. I mean, um, Superman's right with thinking that there is always another way other than killing. Um, Manchester black was just, you know, that that's one aspect of a character that's kind of um, a little too easy for me where it's like, oh, it, he he's a bad guy just because he kills. It's too easy. He should be a bad guy for other reasons other than just killing people so in order for superman to have you know the ability to not do that and still be an amazing character for 75 plus years uh it's just great so always my answer every day is i'll always be superman (laughs) well i think i would choose superman as well because uh i can't do a british accent (laughs) i think i would embarrass myself if i tried people would be like what are you doing stop embarrassing yourself that was it that's the one thing it's oh no i can't i I can't do that accent guys (laughs) i think i i think i could be into maybe pretending to be manchester black but Uh. i don't think i could convincingly pull it off oh i think i would fail at it it'd be lovely (laughs) (laughs) so don't make me do a british accent i thought about maybe doing it sometime uh during our talk but i was like "Mm, no no nobody nobody wants that nobody wants that no judgments on your snap judgments well thank you nate for playing along with snap judgments and making some fun choices about manchester black Well, and I think that's going to do it for our character spotlight on Manchester Black and this awesome character. So thank you, Nate, for coming on Supergirl Radio and sharing your knowledge about Manchester Black and going through some of those stories with me. So where can our listeners find you on the internet? Well, of course. Well, thank you for having me. It was a blast uh, discussing all of this. I love the character and um, really excited to see what he's going to do in the future. And I'm really excited to see what you're going to think about him in in your guys' future. Um, But yeah, if you guys uh, have the internet, which everybody kind of seems to be on that same page, you can find me on my podcast, um, DC Cinematic Minute. Um, It's everywhere you get podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, um, online at DCEU Minute, uh, on Twitter and social media. And uh, yeah, everywhere else on the internet, you can just find us uh, there. And I should mention that Nate discussed a minute from Superman versus the Elite during DC Cinematic Minutes Minute by Minute live show in Denver recently. So go check out that episode. That was a, a really great uh, episode just to hear some minute by minute discussion. Oh, it was fun. It was a blast. Thank you for bringing that up. It was, uh, it, it was weird because we were doing that show and... Um, I think like the morning Mark and I were like getting just everything together. He sent me the text. He's like, Hey, uh, Rebecca wants you to go talk about Manchester black. Um, how is that? (laughs) How is this happening right now? (laughs) And it was just, it was such the weirdest timing. Um, you know, but planets are in retrograde. Everything happens for a reason, right? That's so funny. I didn't even know that. That is very, very cool. Oh, it was so weird timing. It was so weird. It was, it was faded. So thank you. Thank you so much for uh, coming on and talking Manchester black with me well if you would like to contact supergirl radio you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com if you'd like to leave us a voicemail you can call us at 678-718-7252 you can find us on facebook and twitter and instagram all at supergirl radio uh, and Instagram uh, gets exclusive pictures that you won't find on any of our other social media accounts. So maybe you should go uh, to get Instagram and follow us there so you can see some comic book panels and th- 
things of that nature. Uh, you can listen to us on Google Play, Our Heart Radio, and Spotify, where we also have a music playlist that features music featured on the show on the CW. We are also listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio, so if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And if you need any of these links, you can find them on supergirlradio.com on the right side of the page. And Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you also like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Titans, Batwoman, and classic DC TV shows, you can subscribe to DC TV Podcasts on Apple Podcasts and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. And uh, go check out our T Public store. We have a link on supergirlradio.com to the DC TV Podcast T Public store, which you can find all kinds of awesome merchandise related to the DC TV shows, especially the Arrowverse on the CW. We've got a ton of cool uh, shirts and onesies and laptop cases and iPhone cases and just all kinds of stuff, stickers, notebooks, you name it, we got it. So go check that out if you want to support DC TV podcasts and get some cool stuff. And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid and Instagram at the Derby Kid. I recently went to Nashville to visit my aunt and uncle and saw some cool stuff because I went to Americana Fest, which is a big uh, music festival that features a lot of uh, different artists and musicians. Very cool. Recommend it. Um, so you can check that out at the Derby Kid on Instagram. I have some videos over at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. I'm also a contributor to JLU Podcast, which you can find over at jluniverse.podomatic.com. And if you want to hear me attempt some voice acting, uh, which I'm actually kind of proud of, hope it's uh, good enough <laughs> for people who listen, but you can uh, check that out and uh, subscribe to a sketch comedy podcast called The Fakest. And uh, I'm also on a couple of episodes of DC Cinematic Minute. I spent some time with Nate and Mark to talk about Batman v Superman and A Little Man of Steel. So definitely go and check me out there. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And sorry, Manchester Black, we agree with Superman that dreams save us and can lift us up. (laughs) 